Small Business Tip Show, Episode 20. Welcome to the Small Business Tip Show. I'm your host, Frank Thomas, and I have Nancy Bovert with me. Today we have part number two of trying to start out, you know, getting getting your business going. And today we're going to be talking about paralysis by analysis. So it's going to be a great show and you need to listen to this one. I'm stuck in the mud. Have you ever felt that way, Nancy, where you're just stuck in the mud? Uh, yeah, and you don't want to lose that uh, that boot in the mud, have that sucking sound, <laughs> right? <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Nancy, thank you once again for joining us. Um, we have a great uh, part number two for our series that we're recording, uh, Getting Your Business Going. And... Um, Today, it's we're talking all about this paralysis by analysis situation. We started talking about this a few weeks back, and uh, we were talking about uh, uh, how it's so easy to get into this mode of anal- analyzing and trying to figure out and not accomplishing. Yeah, you can always find ways to change things up. You can always try, uh, find ways... Uh, to reword something, rewrite something, there's there's no end to, to what you can do. And sometimes people just kind of fulfill their idea and then they say, okay, well, then they find a reason for it not to work and they completely shift focus. Oh, absolutely. I think um, that uh, one of the most dangerous places when it comes to paralysis by analysis is that the ending stages, the end game. We will invest into an idea. We will work hard on it. We will go and go and go and go and go. And at the very end, we become paralyzed and we don't finish. And I know I am extremely guilty of that. I don't know about you, Ness, but definitely I am. I have done it. I've made a very concerted effort this year to avoid doing that and to catch myself when I do it. But in our, in our introductory uh, video or, or web uh, broadcast, you had alluded to a friend of mine. Uh, who we were discussing with this, and I—I uh, I would say it's been since tw- <clears throat> excuse me, 2010. She's been talking about doing various incarnations of some sort of a web business, and she'll get a website built, and then she'll find a reason for it not to work, or she'll want to change her tactic, or or whatever. And I, I'm not really exactly sure what her problem is, if it's a fear of. Uh, failure, fear of success, or if she's just getting mired, or if she doesn't have a, a clear plan, a clear vision of her end game. And all those pieces are extremely important because you miss one of them and you can literally get caught in the mud, so to speak, as we, how we started the show, getting that sucking sound in your boot. And uh, it's a bad place to get into, and it's very difficult at times to get out of. It reminds me, uh, in the summertime, uh, I politely buried my RV up to its axles in some mud and the sinking feeling of trying to mm. get that out. I had to eventually get a tow truck out, but it's the same thing. If you can imagine that in your mind, it has this it has the same weight when it comes to your business. 
Exactly. Quicksand is deadly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So paralysis by analysis, it's a very overused term, but we want to go through and look at the whole concept of this, how to avoid it, how to get through it, how to, how to, uh, how to recognize when you're even starting down that path. Absolutely. How to recognize when you're starting down that path. It's true. And it's one of those things that you don't recognize that you're doing until you're well into it. And uh, it, it, to be honest with you guys, uh, ladies and gents, uh, we had a hard time building this show because we found that all the points that we're going to be talking about over the next few shows all intermix. So we will be stepping into some of the other points because it just makes sense to. But we will be taking the time for each one of those points to really kind of tear it apart. Yeah, building a business is fluid. All the components are fluid, and there is there is some inter intermingling with them. But yeah, we're going to do our best to to keep it uh, on on focus per program for sure. Absolutely. So process by analysis. I like to use the trees and forest idea again, that because it's a great it's a great picture image in that we can get ourselves into a, an idea. We we get paralyzed by this idea of oh, i got to do this, and why can't I do this myself? Even you, Nancy, you have mentioned that you entered the business because you're like, heck, I can just do this myself. <laughs> That's right. Just nothing. <laughs> and I did exactly the same thing. Um, uh, Michael Gerber, who authors um, E-Myth Revisited, says that we all have this entrepreneurial seizure, and it's a very common thing. And what happens is and when we step beyond that seizure, we haven't really taken the time to plan the idea out. And that's one of the biggest pitfalls, which leads to paralysis by analysis. And of course, talking about your business plan is one of the points, but you need a plan. Nancy, yeah. do you want to expand upon that? Well, you know, this is this is the thing that I have found, not only from my own experience and, and growing as an entrepreneur, but also a lot of a lot of uh, uh, the businesses that I've dealt with, the, the small business owners who, who I've dealt with. It's not people are afraid of or or don't like to feel boxed in or or whatever it is with things like budgets and plans. I don't know what it is about those words, but they kind of intimidate people and they kind of get them out there. But it only makes common sense that that you have a budget, which is just a financial plan, and you do have to also have a business plan because if you don't know where you're going and how you're going to get there, you'll never get there. I always like to say, uh, when you don't have a plan, and you, like you said, you don't know where you're going, you actually get to where, you, where, you, where you're going to go to get to. It's just not where, it's where you want it to be, because you're going to get right. somewhere. But if you haven't got an idea where you're trying to go, it's like jumping in the car and just randomly turning left and right and hoping to get to your destination. And if you haven't left the breadcrumbs, you're going to end up lost. You can't find your way back. That's right. Absolutely. You end up lost. So the high, whole idea behind the trees and forest is the fact that, yes, your idea, your business, your concept, whatever it is, is a forest in the beginning. And we are all given eight hours a day, not 10, not 12, not 50, just eight hours a day if we want to have a, a reasonably balanced life to get through that forest. To if you're, Let's say you're the lumberjack and you've got to cut those trees down. Uh, you need to decide which tree you're going to choose today. Because, unfortunately, we don't have high-tech equipment. 
Uh, we still just have a double-sided axe. That's all we got. We don't have got a chainsaw or something that lets us go through 10 trees. When we get to a certain place in our business that we can do that, that's awesome. But right now, when, when you're a sole entrepreneur, you, all you have is an axe. And you're going to find that there are going to be days when that axe is going to do nothing but frustrate you because you, you can't you can't get the darn tree cut down fast enough sometimes. Or you chose the petrified tree. <laughs> <laughs> In a really bad way, yes. And I've always, I've discovered in business is I'll make a plan. Let's say I think, oh, it's going to take me only three weeks to finish this. And, I, you know, Nancy, you know where I'm going with this. I can I write do. this program in three weeks and three months later, it's still being written. Uh, it's being sold, but I'm still making changes and updates. I actually had to kind of say, okay, this is it. We're going to release it where it is. It's working, and we will correct as we move forward. There was a Windows 1, there was a Windows 2, there was a Windows 3, and we're up to Windows 10 now. So, And I think it's important as well to make the point that you are never going to finish your product. There will always be improvements. There will always be enhancements. There will always be adaptations. So, yeah, if you're waiting for perfection, you're going to wait forever. And you'll find the minute that you bring your product to your customers, they're going to find all the imperfections as well. It, it, well, at least in your mind, the perceived imperfections. You're going to be like, how come I didn't think of that? That is so important. But you can't think of everything. You just have to release sometimes. You don't want to release a bad product. But you know, in the beginning, we purposely gave the early adopters a really good price point because we said, hey, you are the early adopters. We need to hammer out some last things. The f software is functional, but but we need your help to kind of get it finished. And we need your help in a sense that we need you to use it and say to us, this is useful, this is not. Because there kind of comes a time when you can't see the colors in your palette anymore, so to speak. You, well, that's, that's a real opportunity as well to find out what the public wants because what the public wants may be slightly different than what it is that you thought that they wanted or that you wanted to produce. Mm -hmm. And what I found is working for me because I'll be honest with you, when I wrote the software, I was doing other things at the same time and it's easy to get loosey-goosey with your, with your work schedule and with your timelines. And it's also easy not to have timelines. And if you don't have timelines... You don't have a plan. You know, a plan, right. it, it, you don't have to sit down and build a plan that covers every contingency. I, I love, uh, and I've read this many times, uh, generals who build battle plans say, as soon as the first shot's fired, your plan is ruined. So you plan for as much as you can plan for, but the minute that you start the to engage the enemy, your plan has to change and has to morph. So be ready that and I found in business is exactly the same but the, the 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 takeaway on this is you've got to have a plan and that plan could be is I'm gonna spend one hour a day five days a week I'm allotting this time and I'm putting it towards building my product and you do not do anything but build that product and you make sure and this is something we're gonna be touching into a little bit deeper is that you and everybody else has realistic expectations of your time while you're working on that project. Well, I think it's important as well, Frank, for people to understand that a plan, a business plan is a living document. 
Mm-hmm. It's fluid. It doesn't mean that if you write your business plan with your expectations for six months, one year, three years, five years, that sorry, now you're locked into that and, it, and you can never change. No, that is a fluid living document. And if, like we've experienced now, we've got, we've got some economic changes here uh, that, that impact things. Uh, the, the global meltdown in 2008, that changes things. A war will change things. So you have to understand that that business plan is a moving document and you have to adapt it for the times, but that the fundamental should still be there. You should still know your goal and you should still know how you're going to process and proceed to get to that goal. Mm-hmm. So this process by analysis, let's really kind of just look at it for what it is. Sometimes you have to expose the skeleton to see what it is and where its strengths are, where its weaknesses are, so you can overcome that problem. Process by analysis simply is a place where you can get to where you become unable to take action anymore where you you when we were talking about getting stuck in the mud that is literally what happens what happens is you could be looking at it and think wow this is a really hard problem to get by and instead of trying to figure a way around the problem you just get stuck it's almost like your engine stops and you're 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 got your high beams sitting on the problem and you can't get beyond it you become focused on the problem so much that you can't start looking for a way to drive around that problem or get around that problem or get the problem out of your way. The uh, Go ahead, Nancy. Uh, well, I was just going to say that it happens to everybody as well. No matter how much you plan, it is going to happen. Someday you're going to wake up, get out of bed. It's going to be the wrong side of the bed. Everything is going to go wrong. And that's okay. Don't beat yourself up for it. Just learn the tactics to get beyond that. And I like what um, like um, Thomas Edison says that everybody used to call him the uh, the genius in in his in his time. He was the genius, and uh, he was uh, applauded for that. And he used to actually become embarrassed from what I uh, read. And he would say, you know, guys, genius is ninety nine percent perspiration, one percent inspiration. That's right. So you're going to have an inspiring thought, an inspiring idea, now you got 99% of the perspiration that you got to work through. And, and be tenacious with it. And be tenacious with it, absolutely. The uh, other thing that you realize is it's it's easy to... Ha- There's two different types of work. I, I, I quote Timothy Ferris quite often because he really does explain it. If you haven't read the 4-Hour Workweek, go out and buy the darn book and read it. Some places, he's a little crass, he's a little hard to read, but you know something? He gets the point across. He talks about this busy work. And do you know something? We are experienced at being busy workers. So what is busy work? We've been trained to, if we can get a task done in one hour, we'll take eight hours to get it done. Now, what have we done for the other seven hours? I don't know. <laughs> Check. <laughs> busy work. It's <laughs> yeah. busy work, yeah. yeah. And um, companies will normally get to this place where that's all they're doing. They're spending so much time. Why is it? Uh, Nancy, let me ask you a question. You uh, you go to work on Monday morning. You're in the office at 9 a.m. Let's say we're working for somebody else. And uh, we're in the office and we're at 9 a.m. And you get a call that your dad just uh, had a heart attack. He hasn't passed away, but um, 
you got to come to his side because he's not doing well. It's amazing how you can accomplish all the major tasks for the whole week in an hour or two, and you can step away for the whole week and nobody misses you. Right. I actually tested that theory. One thing I did was um, uh, in my when I was still employed and I was starting to phase myself out, what I would do was I would take the time, and again, I had a plan. I would structure the, the work for the people around me. I would structure my work. I would structure the expectations of those around me. Not that I'm not going to get anything done, but that I'm getting things done that are extremely important to the business and bringing it to the next steps. And I literally got to a point, Nancy, where I was working two, three, four hours a week. That was it. Now, I wasn't coming home and sitting in my jammies. What I would do is I would, um, I would go to a, I would purposely get right out of the office. I go to a local coffee shop. I go to one of their other office, like their satellite sites, and I'd sit and I would just, uh, I would monitor. And it was truly just busy work. I was just monitoring because I wanted to see if everything that uh, Timothy Ferris in his book was talking about was true. And it is. It absolutely is. We literally, from our tender childhood years, uh, we are literally punished in school for being good for doing a good job like you you were making mention that it drove you crazy when you were in grade school well yeah i mean you you have two hours to do an exam and you finish it in 45 minutes and then you twiddle your thumb and of course you can't look at anybody else's paper keep your eyes straight ahead and uh yeah i mean that's that's right from childhood but you know what once you get into the corporate culture as well back when i had a job uh, i touched on that in in our in our last uh, last video, and I'm sure it's something that our our viewers can identify with. You know, I worked I worked for a, a major bank right out of high school, and I remember sitting there, and and all of us were in the same boat. You'd finish your work, and then you'd talk about what you were going to do for the weekend, or exchange recipes, or it was it was like a social club. And I remember thinking, even back then, this is a complete waste of time. You know, it's not that I did not that I didn't enjoy my my colleagues, my coworkers, but I was being paid for a thirty five and a half, thirty seven and a half hours a week, whatever it was back then, and I felt that first of all, it wasn't fair to the company, and secondly, it wasn't fair to the creativity and the abilities of the employees, and I think that some of the corporations are finally starting to catch on. They're starting to do more, you know, flex time. Um, work from home, all those kinds of things, which I think in the long run are better. The company is is prepared now to pay X dollars for your services, and however you get that done is what matters. That is, again, that that takes busy work to a whole new level. I'm sitting here thinking about this while you're saying this. Even the companies are being lazy, and they really don't know how long it takes to get things done. I know I... I built a uh, database for a company who had lots of maintenance workers, and they wanted me to build a database to track the, the parts usage, but also the usage of the maintenance people's time because they found that as time went on, they had to hire more and more guys and less was getting done. So what they did was they started to have the guys you know, put their time into the system. And if they didn't, then they can get their paycheck at the end of the week. So they had to allocate for their time. And within two weeks, I got a call from the uh, CEO of the company, and she was like, I can't believe it. We have two or three guys who are taking 
four, five, six times the amount of time to accomplish the same task as somebody else. They'll say, okay, they went to fix a toilet and it took them eight hours, mm-hmm. whereas everybody else is like 30 minutes. Yeah. So what they did is they actually um, they uh, did some further analysis and they discovered that this guy was clocking in, fixing the toilet in 30 minutes like everybody else, and he'd go home and sit and watch TV or something. But he would just go home and clock the whole day. And again, it was a, a testament to the fact, I take my hat off, that the company did something about it because they reduced mm-hmm. their expending because one of the largest expenses to a company is wages. It's something that uh, comes and goes out, comes and goes out, comes and goes out. You know, It's a part of your profit margin that that uh, it's not like you can buy a machine and, and glean a, a, a return off of it over time. A uh, person's wages are, you, you're basically paying the person for their time. I think in some cases too, Frank, um, with some corporations anyway, I think what it is is like almost they're keeping score. They've got, you know, uh, 237,000 employees across Canada. And I think that part of it, unfortunately, goes back to the old days of, of, of corporate, uh, it, the industrial age and getting employees in and things like that. And it comes down to the employer controlling the employee it's like, you know, I'm, I'm paying for you, so you're going to be sitting here and I can see what you're doing. And, uh, but it doesn't... Doesn't mean it, if you're productive. It, it, it doesn't, <laughs> that's right. It doesn't equal productivity. It doesn't equal value. And I think that that is the paradigm shift that we're going to be going through. I think we've started it, but I think we're going to be going, going through that as, as time goes on. Mm, very true. And I'm glad and I'm glad for it. It 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 allows people to be responsible for their time. It allows corporations to to make better choices and to spend their money better. And it, it still allows for that balance that we have in our in our uh, workforce where we balance off the entrepreneur and the business owner with the people who are not entrepreneurial minded but are good solid workers and are very satisfied mm-hmm. to fulfill that role. And, you know, I think satisfaction is a, uh, a two-way street. And you, I think you can gauge the level of busy work that you're doing based upon your level of happiness in your position. Because, you know something, the one person in this lifetime that you can't fool is yourself, really mm-hmm. and truthfully. If you find that you're doing a lot of busy work, and this is a sure sign of it, is you'll be start to become discontent where you're at. Because you feel like everything you're doing doesn't have purpose. It doesn't have reason. I know that's kind of where I got to because I found that um, we, we used to operate lean and mean in the position I was in. And I was always doing things that were important to the day-to-day business and things that needed to happen and things that needed to be accomplished. And what happened was the, the company morphed and got bigger and we brought more people on. And it kind of got to the place where I was doing a lot of busy work. You know, the accountants would come to me with the same report three times. And um, I would have to, I'd have to oversee things that I've already already overseen and, and signed off on. And I found that it was, that's when it started to grind. And even when you run your own business, and I can tell you this from personal experience, I'm sure Nancy, you can too, that when you find that you're just busy and you're not accomplishing it's not satisfying. You don't feel like you feel like at the end of the day, gee, I worked all day and I feel like I didn't get anything done. 
You know, Frank, this is something that I, it just occurred to me, but of course it happens all the time, but we hadn't, I don't think, discussed this before too. Another way uh, to know when you're doing busy work is, is if you are spending 12 or 14 hours in front of your computer doing, mm. doing things and, and you, you think that, you know, tell the world, look, I'm working so hard, I'm 14 hours here in front of my computer. But the reality is after a certain period of time, you're not productive any longer. Absolutely not. You're wasting time. I was actually just talking to a friend of mine who's supposed to be on holidays, I'll put that in quotes, and he is patching in and trying to do some work. And I said to him, I said, go and enjoy your family. Mm-hmm. Unplug. Have a good time. You, yeah. You're off for a week. Enjoy it. Yeah, but I have all these things. No, you don't. It's going to be waiting for you when you get back. Nobody's going to die. Nobody's, <laughs> there's, there's no, you're, you've put an unrealistic expectation on yourself, uh, believing that a certain amount of productivity must happen. And when you go on holidays, you really do need to go on holidays. This is something that my darling wife showed me when I am actually unplugged. And even on weekends, I mm-hmm. like to walk away from my work. And I like yes, to take I do that, as well. Absolutely. I like to take that time off because when I come back on Monday, I'm energized, I'm refreshed, I'm ready to go. I try hard to limit my time during the week when I'm working, and I'm guilty of that. I'm still guilty of overrunning the day. But there will be times when I'm finding that I'm really working, and I'm, I feel, I can feel my body wearing down. What I will do is I'll say, okay, I'll approach my wife and say, okay, the kids are at school. Um, have you got anything on your agenda? No? Good. Have you got something on your agenda that you can cancel? Good. And what I'll say is we jump into the car and we just shop or we just go see a movie or we just do something that has got nothing to do with work. And my cell phone stays at home mm-hmm. because I still need to unplug. I still need that time. And I find when I come back to what I'm working on, I'm clear. Now, does it mean I don't think about it when I'm out? No, absolutely not. I do think about it. But the interesting thing is it's almost like you're re-sorting your thoughts or recollecting your thoughts and reprioritizing what's important in your mind, and you're looking at your, you're thinking about your plan. That Galdarm plan keeps coming up, eh? <laughs> yeah. And what happens is when I have taken that time, that designated break that I've given myself, I can come back and I'm refreshed. You know, one of the reasons why I love doing the small business tip show is because it's completely different than everything else I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about my business, but I'm not doing my business. And uh, I enjoy this because I enjoy teaching. I enjoy um, uh, helping others uh, within their endeavors. So, and I know if it's exactly the same thing for you, Nancy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. And and you know we've all been there. We've all done it. Um, you know, back in in my political incarnation in the nineties, I uh, you do what you have to do when you have to do it. You know, I don't think uh, either of us, Frank, are telling everybody. That's it. Eight hours, put down your pen, shut off your computer and walk away if something dictates that it does need to be expanded. You know, when I was running an election campaign, I mean, you, you especially once the writ is dropped, you work. Mm-hmm. You, you work. Uh, and I, I put in, gosh, I don't know, uh, 16, 18 hour days steady for the whole writ period. And then when I went to Ottawa... Uh, to, to to catch things up because there was a time lapse between the writ dropping and when Parliament opened, and there was like I don't know three four months worth of 
worth of correspondence and things that had to be sorted through and, and things that had to be learned. And I worked six days a week from 7 o'clock in the morning till 9 or 9.30 at night. And I took every Sunday off, though. I made sure I took every Sunday off, and I did something for me. I went to a museum. I, I did something. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, 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 an art that's being lost in today's uh, society, is they, they will engage themselves in the 14th. Now, um, what I'm saying is what you did had purpose, and everything you did had purpose. You didn't feel like, oh, I'm just, this is such a grind. You actually feel like you accomplished something. But what, what's happening in society today is we'll sit behind our desk for 14, 16 hours and accomplish nothing. And, we yeah, wonder- and I, I think technology has, has helped to fuel that because it is difficult for people to unplug. One of the things, and I, and I actually want to, because we're kind of getting at the 30-minute mark here, and I want to spend about 10 or 15 minutes talking about how to get beyond the paralysis by analysis stage. Yes. That is one of the very first things that we need to do. First of all, we need a plan, and one of our shows coming up, we're going to be talking extensively about how to build a plan for your business. Uh, it's not going to be um, everything, but it's going to give you definitely a good roadmap to start with. The, uh, the next thing is once we have that plan in place, we have to decide, okay, what is our goal? Because our goal and our plan are, are, are synonymous. Our plan is bringing us to our goal. What I normally find is I will look at my end goal and say, okay, I want to accomplish writing a program and have it released in February 14th. On Valentine's Day, I want to release a new program. I've just arbitrarily chosen a date. And I'll say, okay, for me to do that, what does my timeline look like? And I'll actually look back and go, okay, what do I need to accomplish in the last 30 days? Well, I need to start marketing in the last two weeks, marketing engaging uh, uh, my affiliates. So I don't have time to build the program anymore at that point. That mm-hmm. point, it should be done. That's right. That's right. So what happens is I know I have to have it done for January 31st, for example. So what I'll do is I'll say, okay, it, it's, I've got six weeks before January 31st. Now what do I have to accomplish in that six weeks? I have to build the interface. I've got to make sure I've got the algorithm absorbing. I've, and I'll basically lay out all the things I need to do, but I continue working backwards. I'll say, okay, I'm doing this, so what has it got to accomplish? And I've got to make sure I know where, know where I'm trying to get to. And that is, that is very clear. And what I'll do is I'll do lots of brainstorming. And I think we should actually do a show in the future about brainstorming. Yeah, uh, I would agree. But I'll brainstorm the idea out, and I'll, put, I'll link all the facts together when I'm all done. And I'll have a brilliant plan. I might spend a, half a day laying out my plan or a day laying out my plan but I'll shave months off my development time because I know where I'm supposed to be because now I can start allocating the time. And it comes back to that, okay, every day I need to, I, I can't do it in 30, 60 minutes. I need 90 minutes to get this done. So I allocate 90 minutes. The next thing I do is I make sure that, uh, and I'll let you touch into this, Nancy, but the delegation of workspace time and boundaries Oh, you want me to run with it now? You betcha. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Designating the time and the balance and the boundaries, absolutely. Um, It comes back to, you know, I just wanted to throw something in as well as an aside when you talked about you might spend a day working on your plan. I just wanted to make the point that that also is purposeful. That is not a waste of a day. That is the foundation of building building out your business. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the boundaries and the time and the space, 
it, it's really important, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're starting out. Um, most entrepreneurs back in the day started off in their home office, and then people started going and 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 getting office space outside of their their home offices. And a lot of people still do that. But a lot of people started going back to their home office as well, simply because it's become more acceptable and it's easier and it's less expensive and keep overhead down and lots of lots of reasons for that. But I do want to make the point that it is critical that you designate a specific workspace to to do your work. If if you have a desk in the living room with a TV on in the background, that's not going to work. If you've got three kids at home and you're down in a, in, a, in a rec room where they're going to be playing, that's not going to work. You have to make sure that when you are building your business that you have some place to go that is where you go to work. You go in there with the mindset that you're there to work. You set your timelines that you're going to go in at, I don't care if you start eight, seven, nine, whatever. It can be fluid. It can be what works best for you. But you have to make sure that you designate the time and you go into your workspace with the mindset that now I'm going to work. I think it's important to also make mention too, Nancy, that this is like exercise. It's like deciding that you're going to become more fit and more healthy. You can't put off Tuesday's work for Wednesday and expect to to get it done. Because when you put it off for Tuesday, you'll put it off for Wednesday. And all of a sudden on Friday, you have to do 6,000 push-ups because you haven't done them through the week. You're not going to be able to do that. And yeah, it's creating the habit. Yeah, and it's creating that habit of just getting it done, just putting it aside. It gets not only you into the habit, but it gets everybody else into the habit too of the, that expectation that you need this time to, to, to have a better future. And it, it, it also, it, the boundaries go both ways. When you, when you ask them to respect your work boundaries, let's say your family or your kids, your wife or whatever, and you and you come to an agreement on okay, Dad's going to work from eight to like we're going to put the kids down at eight o'clock, and from eight to nine thirty, Dad's going to work hard on his or Mom's going to work hard on his, her um, project, and Dad doesn't bug Mom and Mom doesn't bug Dad, and the kids don't bug either one uh, the one that who's working on this, and what happens is when nine thirty come like when you're from eight to nine thirty when nine thirty hits you put your pen down. If you have to, you actually make notes for yourself. You give yourself about a five-minute window and make notes for yourself because I know when I'm programming, I have to make notes for myself so I can pick my things back up and start right up right away. Or else what happens is 9.30 becomes 10, mm-hmm. 10.30, 11, 2 a.m. And not, not a word of a lie. You can be there all night long. And now you've done a disservice to your to your mate, to your family, to whomever it is because you're not respecting them. And you ask them to respect your boundaries, you need to make sure you respect your boundaries with them as well. And well, and you're not respecting yourself either at that point, no, Frank, because, because you truly do have to have and bring balance. Mm-hmm. You cannot allow any one thing in your life to take over everything, whether that is your family, your mate, your, your uh, job, your business, whatever it is, if you do it to the exclusion of everything else, it becomes an addiction, and it becomes unhealthy. Yeah, and, and Jack and Jane become very unhappy people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is so true. So having those, that, those 
boundaries, the, uh, your designated workspace, your time and your boundaries in place are also very important. So we built a plan. We have a clear idea what our timelines are because of our plan. We've done some dreamscaping. Uh, we also have put ourselves into a place where we start having that balance. Another thing that I recommend too is when, especially when you're in design mode, when you really have to think hard. Thinking and designing is hard. I'm not going to lie. Nancy, you can probably agree with me. Sometimes the hardest part is that 1% of inspiration, not the 99% of perspiration. It's funny too when when the inspirational hit you sometimes it's it's not always the most convenient time and <laughs> and sometimes you know I I can have a I can have an inspirational drought for 2 3 4 days a week. Well, I don't think I've ever had one for that long. But then I'll just get like bang 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 I'll get like six or seven ideas. So I write them down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because even if I'm not going to write about them today, they're inspirations. They're, they came to me because of conversations I was having, things that presented themselves. So they were things that mattered to the people out there. And it's a very interesting concept. And we'll touch this very quickly because it's extremely important. Again, you can't fool yourself. If you have these flashes of inspiration, you said a very important thing. Write it down. We all have mobile devices now. It, it, you can get a, a an audio recording app for free, for crying out loud, and you can hit record and go, hey, exactly. I just had a great idea, and you record that idea. because and then, But then you go back and you investigate the idea because your brain knows if it's wasting its time. It, mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but if you do not get those ideas out of your head, first of all, they cloud your thinking because what happens is, you don't want to lose the idea. So it starts to monopolize your thought process. Second, and it could be negative things too. Oh, I got to make sure I pay the payroll taxes. Oh, so you make sure you make a note, you write it down, you put it on your calendar, you make it so you can't forget it. So now your brain goes, oh, I can forget that now because I'm going to take care of it later. Yay me. Now you can become more inspirational. You write it down, you act upon it. And, you know, writing it down and not acting upon it is just as bad, if not worse, than not writing it down at all. Because eventually you're going to, like you said, Nancy, you're going to have these droughts. Your brain's going to go, yep. you're wasting my time, so why should I give you new ideas? Well, and treat your brain like a computer. Mm-hmm. All, those, all those things that come up, like you say, you, they, they start to monopolize your, your thoughts. They start to monopolize your time. And they cloud your ability to be creative and, and move on to, to things that you need to accomplish today. So treat it just like, just like your computer, that's your, that's your RAM. That's your random access that's memory. Right. Let's let's dump that. I, I I think you can remember, it, and it still happens now, but not, it's not so pronounced. But there was a time when you were running like Microsoft Windows, and uh, if you ran out of memory, it actually give you a message. You ran out of memory, and you can't do anything more, and life's over, and you must reboot, and you must do something, <laughs> or must shut something down. And I remember those days, and oh, oh okay, I've been running com- the computer for three solid hours. Time to reboot. Our brains are no different. Mm-hmm. Our brains are exactly the same. We have to refresh our brains. Our brains are always working. Our brains are always thinking. And like you said, you have to have that balance. You have to have that pleasure, that work life. Again, that's a whole different story. And you know when you're not doing these things properly, when you start having lots of negative impact in your life, you're unhappy, your uh, emotions are strained, your body is strained. You're getting sick for no reason. I remember there was a time when my vision started because I was working so hard for a company. My vision started to go funny. I just had my glasses checked, and I had to have them checked again because my vision changed in three months. 
And mm. the doctor actually said, you are under too much stress. And again, I, all these things were out of balance for me. And I had, there was not realistic expectations. You know, you name it, it was there. So paralysis by analysis is, is definitely one of the biggest obstacles, the biggest roadblocks to entrepreneurial success. So what do we, what do, we do to, to avoid it? I believe that the uh, one of the biggest things is to is is having that plan, uh, having that designated space, and and committing yourself to that. And when we're done, and this is something I was going to mention, and I completely got segued here, was um, I will do sixty minutes of work, and in ten minutes I just walk away. I'll take the dog for a walk, and uh, somebody actually said to me, "Put a timer in place, turn off when you're working and you're you're theorizing. Skype gets turned off, email gets turned off." The phone gets turned off. I don't want any interruptions unless the house is burning out, down around me or the business is burning down around me. Don't bug me. I remember when I was doing inspirational work, working for somebody else, I'd actually close my door. And when p- people saw my door was closed, they knew not to bother me uh, because I was in really busy in something. And I would only close my door when I was really busy uh, because I had this, this, this open door policy. If my door is open and you need to me, you come in and talk to me. Well, I think, uh, uh, again, Frank, with uh, corporations and businesses are sharing calendars now. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's really important. One thing that a lot of people who I've, who I've uh, worked with and dealt with have said that it's important to put in there some personal time mm-hmm. to block it off. Because otherwise, if people see a hole in your calendar and you're collaborating on calendars, they'll fill it with stuff. Back to busy <laughs> so work, right. right? And it's important, you know, and, and it's not unreasonable to actually put a block in your calendar, not pri- personal time, but um, um, brainstorming session. You right. know, that now sounds really great, and but in this exactly what you're doing. Yeah. And you're trying to move things forward. And like you had said earlier, Nancy, don't be afraid to unplug. Turn things off. Yep. You need to because otherwise they're going to distract you. And you could be in the middle of a thought process and you've been really thinking it out and you've had that flash of inspiration and you hear Bing, and Skype yeah. and you know and your, your your inspirational thought you might you can hear the toilet flushing in the background because it's gone mm-hmm. so turn those things off and that's what I do when I'm programming I actually turn all these things off and I've actually had people get upset with me after and I'm like you know I'm busy I'm sorry if you want me to bring out new ideas and get these things done you've got to give me the time to get things done plain and simple uh, any last thoughts about paralysis by analysis um, I think just to reiterate the points that you do have to have your plan, first and foremost, that you do have to respect boundaries, you have to set and create timelines, you have to have your designated workspace, and if you do all of those different things, you're going to, for the most part, avoid the paralysis by analysis. That still will happen. Don't beat yourself up. Just get past it. Mm-hmm. Recognize it. Recognize it for what it's for. Shake its hand, smile, and then move on. Yeah, and if you messed up a week in your timeline, then you got to ma- modify your timeline. Maybe you add a little That's bit right. into future weeks, or maybe you move your project timeline ahead. And that's life. That's what happens. But don't allow yourself to get stuck in the mud, so to speak. So next week, uh, our next session, we're going to be talking about 
turning your hobby into a business. This is a mindset that we really need to investigate. It fits with all the other pieces. And um, you'll want to stay tuned for that session as well because we're going to show you how people in the past as well as the present have taken their ideas and turned them into a great, great business. Nancy, thank you very much. And uh, we'll talk to everybody in you next week. Looking forward to the next session. Thanks a lot, Nancy. Thanks. Thanks.